Yeah, it was great to have Jason Callan on the back peg. Nathan, I don't know what you took away from that, but uh, you can see there's a lot of potential there with regards to clubs locally at grassroots level, MPL level, being able to avail themselves to the expertise of Espanol and the willingness from the Espanol side to actually try and educate coaches and players and be able to influence and shape uh, football. Absolutely. And it was great to hear that they are very open to developing talent around the world and not less Australians. And from a, a club that has a great record for an academy mm. process, but they mm. don't have that uber reputation, the likes of La Masia or Ajax or yeah. some of the English teams. But it's there's so much good knowledge to learn from a, a club with a fantastic record like that. So it was fantastic to hear some of those stories, some of those anecdotes and some takeaways as well that uh, potentially can be implemented down here. Yeah, we'll have to get Jason back on after his trip um, to Spain uh, in April so and uh, just delve a bit further into it because there's a lot to break down from what was said even just in, in, in that uh, in that chat as well. So how's your week been, Nathan? Um, can we talk about yours instead? It's been over a week since we last recorded it, a show it, oh, yeah, yeah. on the back peg and uh, a lot's happened. A lot's happened in a week, hasn't it? Mm, a week's a long time in football. It sure is. Sure is. I'd say a week and a half. Yeah, by the time we, you know, we're recording on a Thursday night here, and and um, yeah, from League Cup winners to being absolutely smacked, copping seven of the best. What, what what are you talking about? You know full well what I'm talking about, Nathan. And I know you've been copying <laughs> it all week, so I thought I'd leave you be. You know, I no, did text, rip in, rip in. I, no, rip I did. In. I did text. I did text you just to check on your welfare and your well being. <laughs> Right, I thought about I thought about you, and uh, then I laughed. No, I should say no. <laughs> no, I stick the knife in. Go on. No, 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 no. No, I do no, it. Look, it's. Look, <laughs> I mean, the the fact is, is that if you've ever played football, or you've you know at any level, you've always seen those kind of things. So, is it less likely to happen at a professional level? Yeah, but it does happen. You know, when just things come together. Liverpool, who have not been good this year. In fact, they've been, we can say it, they've been shite, right? Not as shite as Tottenham, but they've been shite, right? mm, which we'll yeah. get on to, to shortly, right? Yes, but, uh, Spurs are down the agenda on yes. uh, this week's episode of The Back Peg. But... You mean there's an agenda? <laughs> there's an agenda against Tottenham every episode, I think. <laughs> no. But, uh, look, it, it, you know, with regards to Manchester United, um, I didn't feel sorry for them because... I wouldn't expect you to. No, but... <laughs> And and Liverpool were far better and deserving of the win, and it could have been more. That's the scary thing. Yeah, yeah. I've got so many thoughts on the game, as you would expect. And... Express them. Feel free to express. And, you know, if you want to put the explicit rating on, go for, <laughs> go for it. Uh, Break loose, boy. I'm not going to blow a gasket because, look, it's going to be hard for me to sort of articulate these in a – comprehensive order rather than just a, a mangled mess of all separate points because there's so many takeaways when you lose by seven goals to nil uh, a record equaling deficit against your biggest rival at yeah. on their patch yeah there's so many takeaways and just my feelings because i watched it live last weekend and at the time i wasn't really too downbeat or too angry or too emotional compared to some of the results we've seen in, in recent seasons. Yeah, sure. Like the two games against Liverpool last season mm. or um, the 6-2 against Tottenham a few years ago, for instance. There's something a little bit different about this season and that performance that it was so out of character from what we've seen from United in the last four months or so that, yes, it's bad, 
there's no sugarcoating it whatsoever. There's no mitigating factors at all. But I'd rather lose one game seven nil than seven games one nil. Yes. Right. Yes. And does that make you feel better? It, it does. Well, slightly. <laughs> <laughs> it all points to the response coming up in the morning against Real Betis, the first leg. Yes, it the backpackers out there will already know the result. That's right. And Southampton on the weekend. If United win both those games and they look reasonably comfortable in doing so, I'm not asking necessarily to smack them aside in, on both instances when 3-4-0 twice, but relatively comfortable wins, then we can move past it and it is just oh. a one-off, it's a blip. But there is so many other concerning factors from the game that I thought this team were past now. We saw it in the last couple of seasons that when this team loses, they lose quite badly. Yeah, I referred to a couple of the results uh, just previously, uh-huh. but there's a whole host more that when when it does get away from this squad at the moment, it really does get away, and there is no clawing it back. Uh-huh. Even the four-one at Watford last season, Oli yeah. Solskjaer's last game, yeah, that was a complete capitulation on the same level. And Liverpool, credit to them, they didn't stop. They still had that same hunger, desire to score more and more goals and really make it a, a complete humiliation. But as I say, it all feeds into the response. Yeah. What's that, What's going to happen or what has happened since in the in training? And uh, because following the, the Brentford defeat, second game of this Premier League season where they lost 4-0 down in West London, they came back into Carrington the next morning and ran 14 kilometres. Can't really do that this week. With the games coming thick and fast, it would be complete suicide hmm. for no, no, the upcoming no. game. So yeah. that that there has to be a different response, a different reaction from the boss. And yes, the players, a lot of them had their worst performance I've seen for many, many years, maybe even ever. Likes of Casemiro, Varane, Shocker, Luke Shaw, zero out of ten performance. Lissandro Martinez the same. There's not one player who put in anything more than a two out of ten. That's perhaps being a bit generous. Hmm. It's just, as I say, it just comes into the response. What happens? Interesting what Ten Hag does. And he's got to shoulder some of the blame for it as well. I think he got the team selection a bit wrong. Rashford should have been playing off the left up against Trent. He's had so much success in that matchup in previous matches against Liverpool. Yeah. Well, Weghorst in the 10 doesn't really work. It worked in the new camp. Uh, like Camp Nou. Yeah. But different, different it hasn't really worked yeah. since. It's a different set of circumstances though as well. It absolutely yeah, is. Right? And so. there's so much to learn from that result. I can trot out the same line that I said last week regarding your boys losing the cup final. It's not something to put in a box, stick it in the cupboard, forget about it, move on. There's things in there that need to be unpacked, need to be taken away and to be learned from. Interesting that I saw this week that Ten Hag has put them all towards more appointments with a sports psychologist, uh-huh. which I can see both ways in the sense that are you really going to open up to a psychologist from your employer? It doesn't oh. have the same sort of effect as it would oh. if it was on if it was your personal one. Yeah, sure. But look, there's you but know, sports psychologists have that professionalism though. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm not questioning their professionalism, yeah. but there's a diff- different relationship there. Yeah, okay. It, I think it's just natural to be a little bit less open. Fair and enough. But there is a, a real problem here with the psychology of the squad. We've seen that in some of the defeats where Bruno Fernandes, who has copped a lot of stick in the week, some of it warranted and some of it not. There's one particular one from Gary Neville that was completely unwarranted that just added to the massive problems that are emanating from the game. But they do lose their heads and too quickly and too often when it does start to go a bit wrong. I don't know how Fernandez got away with shoving the assistant referee on the weekend. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. And the two kickouts that uh, I think was a bus stitch as yeah. well. Yeah. But yes, one to learn from, one to move on from. And look, that's not a result that's going to get um, forgotten by the Liverpool supporters, of course. 
And it's going to be the the butt of many jokes for many seasons to come, as was the 6-1 defeat at Old Trafford to Man City back in 2012. But it's just a case of, as I say, learn, grow, make sure it doesn't happen again. Do you feel better for actually, you know, talking about it now? It seems I like feel better than all. They're better. all swirling around yeah. my head, and uh, yeah, I, I think I did all right in uh, getting them you all out in some well. sort of cohesive you, order. You, know, you, you did very well. You did very well. <laughs> um, Look, I'm sure there's more that I'll think Lots of when we stop recording that I should no. have thought up. But... <laughs> oh, I should have said that. No. <laughs> yeah. No, look. Every week, by the way, every week. Yeah, as, soon same, as, we, as soon as we hit the stop, oh, damn, no, I should have said that. Yeah, Why am I saying that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you did well there. Well, well said. And look, that's I think that's um, great perspective, actually, from a, a Manchester United fan that is hurting from it and is concerned about the, you know, about the progress of the team. And given what has happened in previous years. Because um, some perspective uh, uh, as well for me this season yeah. for United, after what went on last season where everyone hated each other uh-huh. and it looked like a real chore for the players to come into work, I was expecting fifth or sixth in the Premier yeah. League. Yeah. So the fact that we've already won a piece of silverware uh-huh. and barring a complete drop-off in form, we should be right for the top four. Uh-huh. The rest of the season for me is playing with house money. Yeah, sure. Whether it's Europa League or FA Cup. Yeah, it makes sense. Because just looking at it, where you could argue perhaps a Brighton or Fulham may win the FA Cup, but essentially it's a shootout between us and Manchester City for the FA Cup. Yeah. They're the two, the biggest teams, the be- if, two of the best teams left. If they're interested. Europa League, of if course, of course, if they're interested. interested. Yeah. Similar story for the Europa League. I look at Arsenal, Real Sociedad perhaps. There isn't too many big sides that I really fear mm. come for the rest of the Europa League. So... I'm not saying we're going to win three trophies this season, but we're in a good position to go deep into both cup competitions, deeper than we already are. So once again, response, see what happens against Betis in the morning, see what happens against Southampton on the weekend. Fair enough. Let's leave the man you talk there. Yes, that's more than enough. Right? Because I'm I'm just about to feel nauseous. But (laughs) Hey, welcome to my life on Monday morning. (laughs) No, this is how I generally feel when I hear the words Manchester United said together. Uh, so, you wouldn't have been nauseous on Monday morning, that's for sure. No. Oh, no, look. <laughs> yeah. I, I had empathy. That's why I checked in on you. Mm. No. Look, I've, I've, yeah, it, it's, it was just – and the reason why we're talking about it is because it was it was an incredible result and it's and it was hard to ignore in, in football terms. Uh, someone did ask me after the game if you could swap the results, not necessarily the scorelines but just the outcomes between the cup final and the Anfield match. Would you swap them and hand over the silverware – to Newcastle, but perhaps beat Liverpool at Anfield. I wouldn't swap them. No, I wouldn't. Mm. Are you kidding? As, yeah. as embarrassing and as horrible as uh, the Anfield result was. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Trophy's uh, a trophy. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And uh, Anyway, that's enough uh, of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's just a – it's a good hypothetical. But, yeah, I don't see what the point of it would be. I can see it. Avoiding the worst ever defeat against Liverpool. Biggest ever defeat since, what is it, 1930-something. Mm. And uh, Eric Sevenhag. <laughs> That's a great one. I hadn't heard that. <laughs> so there we go. Oh, so boy. Oh, where, boy. Sh- where should we move to? Anywhere else. You Any- pick. <laughs> anywhere else. You want me Get to me pick? away from this chat. <laughs> oh, dear. Dear. So was there anything that caught your eye this, this week on or off this- the pitch? All right. All right. I do have something. Great. Hit me I do it. have something. And it is regarding our old mate, Jose Mourinho. Not El Presidente, which... I think oh, that's where I, was I thought say. you were going. Yeah, how, how did you guess? No, no, it's uh, it's our friend Jose. Okay. Uh, the story that came out in the Italian press oh, from the past weekend. You've seen it. <laughs> and the headline oh, reads: 
shit has Lazio are unhappy at Jose Mourinho for his behavior during an under 14s game between Lazio and Roma. Mm. Mourinho was accused of booing a Lazio player whilst he was taking a penalty and telling the Roma players to feign injury in order to waste time. Okay. Under 14s, lads. Two things. <laughs> right. Two things. We know that Jose is generally all in in whatever he does, right? He's all in. So I admire the passion. And I know that I know that uh, he actually got the under 14s into the first team's dressing room afterwards, right? Or in the subsequent days after uh, after the uh, the victory. So yeah, booing the uh, booing at a a fourteen year old boy taking a penalty. Yeah, that's not on, right? At least wait till they're eighteen. But <laughs> and playing in the team, you know, in the first team against you. But uh, yeah, that's not on. But um, and that's not football. Oh, well, and that's not football editage, Jose. <laughs> No, it's not football heritage. Or maybe it is Lazio Roma. Well, hey, look, it's you know, it's a great derby either way, right? Lazio Roma, it's it's huge. But at fourteen years of age, mm. yeah, I don't know about booing. Now, the faking, the feigning injury part or going down. These kids are in a professional academy environment, so they're going to start doing shithousery things like that. Oh, you don't like to see it, but no, you don't. But the fact is <sighs> that it's going to happen. And it does it happen shouldn't, though. Age. The result shouldn't matter that, that much. No. But it does happen at that age. You know, should the result matter? Well... No, it shouldn't. No, it shouldn't, right? Not at that age. But we're talking about the master of the dark arts here, right? You're talking about Italian football. Uh, I can see a lot of synergy between Jose and, and Italian football, I can tell you. It's a fantastic fit, isn't it? Mm. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. So, uh, yeah, that's the number one thing that caught my this mm. week. That's... Uh, I would actually like to talk about, <laughs> um, but yes, uh, interesting. Do you think he should be uh, sanctioned? He should be given a ticking off. I think. Right. Don't give him a sanction like a, a ban or a fine or whatever. Just Jose, go watch the academy where you like, but come on, don't boo players and leave the coaching to those that are coaching the players, not you in the stands. Because look, Jose, he's not going to be there by the time the under fourteen side are ready to step up to the first team. So no, well. You would think him being there doesn't really have an impact on the under 14s team, good or bad. Yeah, maybe he was just bored, <laughs> didn't have anything to do. His family's living in London, but I'll just go watch the under 14s. It's my thing. We love you, Jose. We absolutely love you, Jose. So, yeah, there you go. That's interesting. That is very interesting. It's very, very uh, well. I don't know if I should say funny, but we can't condone it. But that's no, funny. It the is, headline's it, funny. It is funny. It is funny. Laz, what caught your eye this week? A couple of things. I see the FIFA have gotten cold feet on this Saudi Arabia deal with regards surprise, to surprise, surprise, Women's World Cup. So what are they thinking? That's one thing. In what world was this Saudi deal ever going to be accepted as a sponsor? Well, it was obvious the, it was going to get a massive backlash when it was announced. The, this is the world of FIFA. You can't even call it a new low for FIFA because we've been here before. Yes, we have been. Are you surprised that this whole situation arose? I'm not. I'm not surprised that it was agreed announced in the first place. And I'm not surprised that it's been repealed or looking to be repealed either because you like the phrase, Laz, shooting yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. That should be the slogan for FIFA. Not, not <laughs> in Latin or in, yeah. in French or, but uh, yes. Uh, yeah. So today I feel like shooting myself in the foot. Hey, just like every other day. Uh, Gianni, Gianni, Gianni. What do we do with you? What do we do mm. with you? But isn't um, it funny when he when he first came into FIFA? We think, oh, it's a new FIFA. Sepp Blatter's been uh, finally ousted from his role. That was a lot of the sentiment, and 
it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for FIFA, but no one's feeling good. <laughs> oh, no. I think we just found a new theme song. <laughs> Someone get Michael Bublé on the phone. <laughs> on the Zoom call. And let's see if let's see who he follows in football. Oh my it's lord. It's gotta be West Ham, surely. Well Surely. Uh, surely. You know, I, now that you mention it. Michael now, Bubble. Michael <laughs> God. Uh, I was hey, the backpackers didn't hear my uh, Tottenham Hotspur puns on the weekend. Uh go on. So me and Lars were doing British Football Watch, our mm-hmm. uh Weekly radio talk show on Sutherland Shire Community Radio, $2 mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Saturday nights at 9pm if you're not doing anything and you want to watch something in the lead up to the Premier League. Or listen to and something. <laughs> listen to something, indeed. Uh, watch maybe one day, but uh, not yet. <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> yes. And uh, I brought up a story surrounding the Tottenham Hotspur uh, partnership with Formula One, how they're going to have an F1 fan experience inside the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where they have a little go-kart track and they have a racing event and heats and time trials and all sorts of things. And ah, the brain really does go to uh, some uh, interesting things when uh, you have that sort of experience going on there. And surely they call the course at, uh, at the ground the white kart lane. Are you really going to burden our backpeggers with these puns? I certainly am because as they drive around Wycart Lane and they go through the Harry Chicane (laughs) and if they need a a new set of tyres, they go into Oliver Pitts. uh, This is the Pitts. This is the Pitts. (laughs) But at least Spurs fans can finally experience winning something. Uh, And even then it's it's not real. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I feel Speaking sorry of for, Spurs. I feel sorry for the Spurs fans because as the famous song goes, what do you think of when you think of shite? Yeah. Everyone knows that one or everyone's heard that one. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I just keep thinking of that meme that um that I saw. I think it was uh, Paddy Power. They created a, video, a promo video about to- about uh, the Tottenham Museum, and uh, the Tottenham Museum experience is all full of uh, Arsenal's failures or uh, you know things going wrong for Arsenal. And one of the guys says, "Well, if we focused on Tottenham, we wouldn't have much to show, would we?" <laughs> <laughs> And as part of the tour experience, they have a supporters group where you, you know, um, where you can go and uh, uh, put on uh, your three D vision, you know, your your virtual reality vision uh, of uh, again Arsenal's uh, failings. And you know, they said again, you know, like you can go in for you know, get your as if it's a coffee, you can go get your sixth coffee, you know, free visit on your sixth visit. It's quite quite clever, actually. It's quite clever. But uh, um, yes, a VR experience like uh, we had at the uh, Wanda Metropolitano over in yes, yes, Madrid ten, yes. 10 months ago now. Jeez, time's flown. Mm. But um, there was one more thing that caught my eye: uh, the amount of sports people buying into MLS type, uh, MLS teams. So Giannis at, at the Dogubo has bought into the Nashville Predators and Nashville SC. Nashville? Nashville SC. Why Nashville? So not the Nashville Predators. It was the Nashville Soccer Club. Yep. So Nashville SC. The Nashville Predators is the ice hockey team, I should mention, and a uh, and Philip Forsberg from there has actually bought in at the same time as Giannis. Right. So, yeah. 
So they've uh, brought him to Nashville, and they've got a great stadium. I don't know if you've seen it online. Their stadium is brilliant. Uh, it's a boutique stadium, and and that's the kind of stadium that I actually would think would be great for um, you know football here in Australia. And uh, well, Nashville's a hell of a town by the look of things. Can't wait to get over there one day. Yeah, you and me yeah, both. Nashville. You and me both. So and, uh, I'll need to check out this stadium. It's on the bucket Nashville. list. I can tell you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because that's great for mine. Interesting, lads. What do you rate as the best? Stadium that we use in the A League. In the A League, mm, specifically the A League on the regular. Mm, look, uh, I haven't been to the new Allianz as yet. I just haven't had the chance to go, but I suspect Allianz would be the best. Uh, but Combank's pretty good, or Western Sydney Stadium, whatever the official name of it is. Oh, I got a, I got a, a gripe or two with Parramatta. Why is that? It's it's the the west side of the ground that it's all corporate boxes the entire way. There's no yeah. general seating apart from right down on the pitch line. Mm. That, yeah, I get that. that. Look, the rest of the stadium's fantastic. But why bring the rake? The yeah. Mm-hmm. Why you bring up the A League stadiums? Oh, because we're talking about stadiums. We're talking about the Nashville one and yeah, uh, Allianz. I think maybe a little bit too big for Sydney for most weeks. Oh, for Sydney FC, but yeah, you're talking about creating yeah. atmosphere as from a boutique stadium point of view. Yeah, no, I get yeah, that. yeah. For mine, my favourite stadium in the A League is Highmarsh in Adelaide. Oh yeah, oh no, you can't. Yeah, they look. That's a great shout. That's a great shout. Look, it doesn't have the same sort of facilities as the two Sydney grounds that you mentioned, but in in terms of if there's one venue in the A League that I want to go and watch a game at, if you just give me an open slather, it's Adelaide every t- every single time. Can't go past it. I think that's a great call, I think it's and it's even better call. now with the the work they've done. Yeah, and it's um, not far out of the city centre either. Uh, it's a very atmospheric uh, stadium if you happen to be at Adelaide. But um, uh, okay, here's a question for you: What's the best stadium that you've been to? What in Australia or anywhere? Generally, globally. Mm, best stadium. Oh. Best. Interesting. What, what constitutes best? Okay. Let's let's put it this way. As far as you could either say from what you think it would be like on ground level, if you've done a stadium tour, or from the viewing experience. Look, new Allianz is fantastic. Yep. For mine, if you don't take in consideration like the average attendances and sure. whether it's a good fit for the team, I think Allianz is a brilliant stadium. Mm-hmm. At its peak, it might be the best in the country. That's a that's a you can argue about that, but it's in the mix. See what they should have done is do that curtain around the top layer yeah. and just make it atmospheric, yeah. right? So that's that's fine. And, and I'm sure why the can... curtain gets scrapped? Is it just a, a cost saving? It must be, but maybe they can retrofit it. I'm not sure, but I think yeah. But yeah, but what's the best stadium that you've been to? Or oh, and also let's go there. Which stadium that you haven't been to would you like to go to? I'd probably say the SoFi Stadium would be one that mm-hmm. I'd like to go to, because mm-hmm. um, I haven't been North America myself. Sure. So uh, there's a whole host in there that you can rattle off as ones that will be on the bucket list to go and see a game at. USA 2026. Every man and his dog. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, go on. I I did the stadium tour of Summer Mez in Uh Bilbao. Yep. Which... Of not as good as seeing a, a game there at its peak. Yeah, sure. But you, I could imagine what it's like on game day, particularly against this weekend, Barcelona, mm. when they come to town. Mm. And uh, it's it. I imagine it'd be very lively, so loud. The atmosphere would be absolutely incredible. And in terms of the best stadium I've been to, it might be that. It might be the Bernabeu, despite when we went, the construction oh, yeah. all on the okay. way. Sure. I'd, because when... We came into the Bernabeu and we got through the concourse and as soon as you come out into the actual indoor, in the bowl area of the stadium, you did feel a lot of the the history 
And we've spoken a bit about how stadiums have souls uh-huh. and there's feeling and memories and decades and decades and generations of stories in the walls of the venue. And you do actually feel it when you do step out into the into the stands at the Bernabeu. Uh-huh. So that's very difficult to top. I've been fortunate enough to go to the Bernabeu, the old Bernabeu in 2012. And um, the seating, so it happened just after, so actually, funny story, went on my honeymoon with uh, my wife and we ended up doing a um, a couple of stadium tours. We went to Camp Nou and we went to uh, the Santiago Bernabeu. Now, Sounds like a great honeymoon. <laughs> it was a great honeymoon. It was brilliant. You know, it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, but with regard to the Bernabeu, it actually had a Colosseum type of feel as well because the seating is so vertical. And that's the one thing that you were saying that when you actually step into the bowl, right, you actually, you know, you can, you, you know that you're on top of the action. You appreciate how mm. good that is. And and I think that the new stadium is going to have that experience as well, obviously, right, with the seating that they're putting in. But the old, like the old version of it, which was enclosed, obviously. Um, and look, the fact that the, the Real Madrid have been able to play there whilst this construction was happening is he is insane. It probably would not be allowed here legally in Australia, if you think about it. There was a time where they did have to play at the... Yeah, and they used the COVID. Uh, yeah, yeah, but they used the COVID. They were lucky in timing because they could use the COVID restrictions to actually do a lot of the uh, the work to the burnabout, right? So it just happened to tie in with the timing there. But... In the state that we saw it in, uh, you know, nearly 12 months ago, there's no way in Australia that a, a team would be able to play out of a stadium that is being redeveloped like that. No, so, no chance. So what does that tell you about what happened, you know, what <laughs> these clubs have and the pool that they have and the, and the not only, you know, the, the ability to actually do these things. It's an incredible feat in engineering, the new Bernabeu. But the old Bernabeu, you, you actually, when you did the tour and you actually walked on the, on the, onto the playing surface and, and you, you know, looked up and you just could see seats, you know, you could envision people above you. Just incredible. Just incredible. I think that's the best. I think that was the best stadium that I've been to as far as, you know, anticipating game experience and all that kind of stuff. It's just incredible. But um, yeah, an absolutely brilliant stadium. And mm. you're right to mention the Coliseum feel. Mm. And there's a saying with regards to some teams that the shirt weighs heavy. Yes. When you wear the shirt of a particular team, you go out onto the pitch and you feel the pressure, you feel the expectation. I don't think it's necessarily the shirt, it's the stadium because the Coliseum feel. You do have 80,000 people on top of you, essentially, mm. watching your every move. And yes, mm. there's big crowds at every football match. Yeah. But the Bernabeu has something magical about it. Yeah. The give, shape of the yeah, stadium. Yeah. Give me the Bernabeu rather than the MCG. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, you know, I'll subscribe to that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to the MCG a few times and comfort wise and what have you, I'm not a fan. Right. It's big. That's about it. Mm. Stadium Australia is like Homebush is big as well. Camp New reminds me of um, the seating, yeah, obviously reminds me of, um, of uh, Stadium Australia that way as well. Old rundown and needs a rebuild. <laughs> Just like Barcelona, that <laughs> we didn't get to which stadium you would like to. You got to say Sophie, right? The SoFi Stadium. All right. How about this La Bobonera? Oof, oof. Wow, that is bucket list stuff. Yeah, that's the for me. That is on the bucket list before it falls down. Before it falls down. <laughs> and, and and I want to see if I can get a ticket in the corporate side or the flat yep. part. The flat part. Mm. The, the Maradona apparently, God rest his soul, had a uh, obviously a private box there. 
but there's an image that I saw of him. He was hanging outside, like on the balcony, off the balcony of the private box, just cheering, right? Yeah, wow. Incredible, yep. incredible. And you've seen some of the videos where the actual stadium's shaking, mm. right? And like yeah. the expansion joints are coming apart and you go, <laughs> God almighty, these people are effed if they, uh, you know, if they keep going. But they managed to hold it together somehow. Somehow, indeed. Somehow, it's and, an incredible uh, stadium. Yeah. Funny enough, my wife's been. I haven't. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's she interesting. Did a tour. Yeah, she did a tour. Mm. I think go to Argentina. She did a tour, and I went. Ah, oh, <laughs> can't wait to go. You should have told me you were doing a tour. <laughs> oh, we hadn't met at the time. Ah, okay. Oh, we had. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Then. Yeah. Or was early doors, as you would say. Yep. Yep. She's going to kill me. I shouldn't be speaking about her on the pod, but there you go. <laughs> Uh, you, you have previously referring to yeah, uh, anyway. uh, some uh, Greek teams. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're talking about that other team. <laughs> the, red and the, the red and the white one. Nottingham, mm. or, or, yeah, Nottingham Forest B. Yeah, yes. But, yeah, very much so. Very <laughs> much huge, so. They had a huge win on the weekend, actually. Did they? But, yeah, but they're still there. Um, Ajax Athens is still uh, top in Greece. So. And Ajax actually play Olympiacos this weekend. Oh, big game. Yeah, big derby. Is that like, a, that's, is that's a, like a, a proper that's a derby. full-on? Is that oh, the yeah. derby in Greece? No. no. Oh, jeez. You know what? That's a that's a big call. That's a big call because you've got um, the three big clubs of, of Athens. And look, Olympiacos is in route. Piraeus, right, is essentially is the port of Athens, right? All the, and Piraeus and Athens have basically converged into one. I mean, you're talking about a few kilometres, right? But Olympiacos supporters will tell you that, you know, they're, they're not from Athens. They're from, you know, they're the local ones, right? They're from Piraeus. Mm. Look, Olympiacos is the most heavily supported team in Greece, like Juventus in that in that sense, right? Um, but in Athens, you have um, uh, Aik Athens, who traditionally is the team of the Asia Minor refugees. So the uh, Asia Minor catastrophe of nearly, of uh, just over 100 years ago now, their families were uprooted from Asia Minor and settled in a part of modern-day Athens. And, uh, yeah, so that's where their supporter base is really from um, and heavily supported, heavily supported, both, like, you know, in, within Greece and, you know, um, uh, in the diaspora as well. Um, and then you've got, I think, the... The true central Athenians, if I can put it that way, would support Panathinaikos or Panathinaikos as they're um, pronouncing Greek. But yeah, Um, but you also have more than 50% of the population of Greece living in Athens as well. Yep. So that's where, you know, uh, the the supporter bases are. Now, throughout the rest of Greece, you do have, um, I would say that Aek and Olympiakos are well-backed, like they're heavily supported. But uh, in northern Greece, uh, Balk Salonika is the um, is probably the biggest club. There's three clubs in in Salonika which are or Thessaloniki, which are the um, the main clubs there. Which uh, uh, Balk, which have been you know uh, there or thereabouts, you know uh, they've won the Greek Cup in recent times and and um, have always fallen short of the uh, league. But they have um, uh, they have been a nuisance factor to Olympiacos, and there's a rivalry similarly, in, you know, in Italy, north and south. Well, there is that kind of rivalry in in Greece as well, to an extent where um, everyone out of Athens feels like they're neglected and what have you, right? So, um, but uh, so you got 
Bulk, you've got Artis Salonica, which is a historic club as well. And uh, and Bulk is similar to AIC in the sense that Asia Minor refugees again. Um, and um, the oldest club in Greece, the historic club in Greece is my one, Heracles, who are, or Hercules, who are in the uh, second division. And how are they going? Are they going all right? Or? Uh, they have their moments. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> they have their moments. But uh, you mentioned the big game this weekend, Ike against Olympiakos. Mm. Is there a way for us to watch it here? Is it on TV? Uh, funny you should mention that. It, it, there are ways to watch it, but you would have to pay a subscription to like a Greek TV provider or what have you. So there oh, are okay. ways to do it, right? But see, you've raised a good point, though. I reckon there's market, and I've actually spoken with someone. I don't know if I can name but I've actually spoken with someone who is a media personality who has been involved in football and um, did actually come up with an idea that, you know, um, with regards to streaming of leagues from other parts of the world and seeing if there's a a way to actually pull those uh, resources. Because, for instance, I'd love to see Ajax versus Feyenoord. How do I watch it? Yeah, there's no way to watch the Eredivisie in Australia. Um, And it's not for a lack of um, opportunity because... Mm. There's a there's a big Dutch community in this country, and yeah. also they show the games in the states in English. They show every game in America so, in English. So yeah. I thought perhaps it may have been a case that only the big three, Ajax, PSV, and Feyenoord, they're the ones that would get broadcast around the world potentially because they're the big teams and they can do that in English. But I've been um, proven wrong that every game in the Eredivisie is available in the states in both English and Spanish. So they're there. It's just a case of someone wanting to go and pick the rights up. And as you say, the Greek league is difficult to watch. The Eredivisie is uh, impossible. And there's so much football around. I remember this is going back maybe 10, 15 years ago, that the Portuguese league was available on Eurosport. Yeah. And yeah. it was great to be able to watch Benfica Porto, for instance. But that's that's all disappeared now. And uh, I don't think there's a way to watch Portuguese league here in this country. So oh, again, there's plenty, it, of, it, it, it plenty be, of potential. Yeah, it would be similar to what um, the Greek community, the Greek diaspora does here as well. Mm. So, you know, maybe there's um, particular guys that use uh, internet TV or, you know, get the rights that way. But yeah, look, you know, maybe maybe that's a way that the uh, design can actually get into uh, Australia, perhaps. I'm not sure. Yeah, because they've got the rights in some other markets for mm. these sorts of competitions and yeah, the zone in Australia they don't have any non-combat content. I believe. I think it is just the boxing and some yeah. other some other combat sports they offer. But uh, potential growth for them here in this country, Laz. Yep. Um, just looking at the time a little bit yeah, here. Yeah, I, uh, I think you think we've hit the back peg. I think you we've think? hit the back peg. Yeah. Shall we? Uh, we just quickly Colombia. Yes, let's our, quickly our have a look at Columbia. our overseas. Uh, leagues and the V League is still on hiatus at the moment. That's one way of putting it. They're just lazy bastards. <laughs> and uh, well, it's going to be a quick update because my boys, America to Cali, they were scheduled to play a junior on yes. the weekend and it got postponed. The game got called off. Do so we... they didn't actually take the pitch. And I was looking around for a, a reason, whether it is something COVID related or crowd trouble or weather related, but I couldn't find a, a definitive answer for. For you, so uh, mm. it's a mystery. It's a mystery, and uh, I'll let the backpackers come up with a creative reason as to why <laughs> the game may have been called off. Uh, come get, send us in your your most creative responses as to why uh, America to Cali against Junior got called off. If you could wrong tell answers us, only. That's right. If you could tell us, that'd be awesome. 
That would be awesome. But um, but I think I saw your boys were in action, Deportivo. Yes, they were. They were indeed. Deportivo Cali. Uh, yeah, that's not great. Not great. Lost to Millonarios 2-0, unfortunately. So, Cactus. They have a rough season. Yeah. in the Well, I don't know if there's a relegation zone, but if there were one, they'd be in it right now. I uh, believe the league does split. Yeah. I, in the second I, half. That's my understanding as well. So, yeah, Deportivo Cali went down 2-0 away to Millonarios, and um, they are facing Bucaramanga, Bucaramanga at home. So they're facing Bucaramanga at home, and they're mid-table. So, so there's an opportunity there. Yeah, well, look, you know, and they've got a game in hand on them. So, look, if they uh, if they win this one, they could uh, jump from 18th to 9th. So things are very tight in the uh, Primera ah, Apertura in Colombia. Yeah. Champions League. I know that um, we've already got into Spurs, but seriously. Oh, gee whiz. Gee whiz. I don't know if we have time to dissect everything about we, Tottenham. We have as much time as you want, right? <laughs> as much time as you want to make yourself feel better about giving it to another team rather than anything else. Hey, yeah. I can. we can give it to Spurs and we can also give it to PSG. Yeah, let's do it. Because do it. far out, it. they both deserve it. And look, I can link PSG back to uh, my side, but... Uh, Far out. Far out. A week to forget for both those teams. A morning to forget if you're down here in a Spurs supporter because, gee whiz. And Sergio Conte, yes, he was off on gallbladder surgery and recovery, and we have to take that at, at face value. Sure, he's had a rough but, time. Uh, he's had yes, a rough he's time, had a rough time. The last 12 months have not been very kind to Antonio. No, I do find it a little bit questionable. My ears do prick up a little bit when the last game he had on the sideline was the first league of the Champions League tie against AC Milan at the San Siro. Then he disappears and has his surgery and his recovery and his complication or whatever else happened. And uh, this morning, the return leg against AC Milan was the, the first time he's been spotted back on the bench. Doctor's orders. Doctor's Got orders. nothing to do with uh, him being uh, off in the summer and wanting to join an Italian side. Oh, look, I think that's by the by. I think <laughs> we know that's inevitable by the look of things. Do you I don't it? think anyone is going to uh, be missing Antonio Conte at Tottenham. I don't think he'll be missing the players at Tottenham either. Mm, yeah. Conversely, he can't throw this all at the feet of Conte and his playing style or his coaching style. No, but he deserves a fair crack of the blame. Sure. Well, look, you're right to the degree that he hasn't been able to master. And that's the one thing missing off his resume, to be fair, is the Champions League. He has not had a great time of it in the knockout phase. And I think to be considered a great, you do need to you know, win a title like that. I mean, Klopp's done it. Guardiola has only done it once. He's only done it once, right? So, but you can't deny that the team that he's had at Manchester City are brilliant. Now, um, you know, it's, yeah, I think you need to have won the Champions League to be considered a great manager or something of that, you know, something of that nature. Although I've got an argument against that as well. <laughs> you going to argue against yourself, here? Absolutely. I just thought about it. <laughs> well, but I don't know if we could credit Jose for uh, this Champions League success. Mateo, Chelsea. Well, 
What, what, what's your initial argument? Was it that you can't be considered a great manager until you win the Champions League? Or yeah, if you win nature. the Champions League, you're considered a great manager? Which cart before the horse? Which which order? Mm. It's got to be the former. Like, yeah. What's, who, right. what's the best manager to have not won the Champions League? Or who's well, the best manager? I would say Conte at this point and Pochettino, those two. In recent years. Tuchel's won yeah. it. Right? Yeah, in recent memory, right? Mm. Tuchel's won it. Klopp's won it. Uh, Mourinho's won it. Would you God, say... The Godfather's won it. <laughs> would you say um, Simeone, perhaps? No. I, don't, I, As... I, just, I just don't like uh, Simeone. I know you don't like him, but you got to give him some credit. No, I don't have to. <laughs> Take your Madrid hat off. It's our show, and no, you know, you might, and that is enough credit if you want to give him credit. I'm not uh, going to give him credit personally, aside from his antics on the on the sideline, which I, I do enjoy, I must admit. What uh, about Mancini? Okay, yes, but that's a fair point, but he has had national success. Yeah, but had, is national, he the best is he the best manager success. in recent years to have not won the Champions League? That's a good shout. Yeah. Yeah, well played, Nathan. That's a great shout. <laughs> Just uh Which is the best team not to have won the uh, Champions League in recent times. Not PSG. <laughs> I agree with you, not PSG. Not PSG. That's woeful. Oh, gee whiz. Nasser Al Khalifi arrived to, at yeah. Paris Saint Germain in two thousand twelve, spent untold riches on the team, on managers, on backroom staff, and their record in Europe is nothing short of disgraceful. One Champions League final in over a decade. Yeah. And five out of the last seven seasons, they've been okay. dumped out at the round of 16. So what's the difference between PSG and Manchester City? Exclusively in Europe. Exclusively there's... in Europe. What is the difference between Manchester City and PSG? I think Man City have a bit more of an identity. I think they have a little bit more of a cohesive team, a cohesive unit. Yes, neither side has won the trophy. They've both been in the final on one occasion. Mm-hmm. Co- correct me if I'm wrong. No, but you're right. It, it's amazing, the Champions League, that the two clubs that many would say they don't deserve to be anywhere near winning the trophy, they're the fa- they're amongst the favourites to lift the trophy every season, but something always comes unstuck. And look, City may go and win it this season, but if they get knocked out in the quarterfinals to Napoli or Real Madrid or someone else, would I be surprised? Nah, nah. Because it comes every single year. It's one of the most reliable things in football. A PSG and Man City breakdown in the, in the Champions League knockouts. 100%. 100%. Um, and I think PSG, it's easy to attest that to the star player experiment not working. And in fact, they were probably better off spending the money or consulting people like yourself and myself, perhaps. But... <laughs> but NASA, um, come calling. Yeah, that's right. But... Um, <laughs> Send this pod to it, but yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, come he, on the pod, Nazar Kalapi. We'd love right. to have you on. Yeah, yeah. The couch is, you know, <laughs> the virtual couch is there. You lie down and tell us your problems. <laughs> but um, you know, we had a session, a therapy session for Nathan earlier in the episode, so he, he can come and be able to do a, do a therapy session as well. Oh, I'm sure he's got some choice words to say after this morning's performance. Well, 180 minutes against Bayern Munich, no goals. With that star power, yeah. With that team, yeah. Lionel Messi did not have a good game this morning in the no, slightest. No. But I mean, it's obviously not entirely his fault that no, they've gone gonna, out. Yeah, correct. I was going to say, you can't throw it on your shoulders the whole time. No, but again, he's not completely free of criticism. No, sure. No, granted. Is it the last time we've seen him in the Champions League? Well, there's talk that he'll actually stay. Seems like a different story every week. He's off to MLS. He's going back to Barca. He's going to, back to Newell's Old Boys. He's... I, 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 
I, I think MLS is where he'll end up. Into Miami? Yes. Yeah. The only thing that might be of concern to him is um, that might, you know, Florida is prone to hurricanes. But, um, you know, that would be. Name a place in America that's not prone to natural disasters. Mm, good point. Although, yeah. Yeah, good point. These things happen everywhere. Seattle. <laughs> Impending earthquake may say otherwise. <laughs> there you go. And uh, they play at San Jose, not Seattle. No, not they. No, I'm talking about the Seattle Sounders, not the. Sounders. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I was talking about earthquakes and right. Sorry, yes. Then as a gotcha, the earthquakes. Yep, got the pun now. <laughs> got the pun now. Oh uh, so, yes. I think we. I think we can leave it on that note. I think. I, yes, I think we've hit the backpack. I think we've hit the backpack. <laughs> I think we've determined that PSG is shit. Yep. Tottenham Hospital, we know a shit. Yep. And um, and Manchester United, well, who knows? They were shit. There you go. <laughs> there we go. And, let's, not uh, leave yes. on, let's not let's not leave it on a downer day. No, of course not. And uh, so, what's the highlight that we can pick to leave this episode on with the backpackers? Ah, uh, go on, Les. You're asking me. My team lost on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and your and, other team and, didn't and win the, either. And the other team didn't win either. <laughs> Hey, if uh, Real Betis can get a point out of Real Madrid, Real Madrid smack Liverpool 5-2, Liverpool smack United 7-0, what does that mean for the morning? <laughs> you run the numbers, is that Real Betis 10-0? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But we said we're going to leave this episode on a high, not on a, yes. a down. Yes. So. <laughs> Let's not mention Manchester United, right? Let's not. All. Let's not. Um, what is it that you're looking forward to this weekend? I've got Napoli Atalanta yep. for myself. I think for me, it'll be uh, Athletic Club against Barcelona. Mm. Two clubs that really don't like each other. And uh, actually, one that, one other thing that I did see during the week is that there's a bit of a bit of a fan, not protest, but a bit of a stunt organised by the Athletic supporters that they're going to throw a bunch of uh, fake dollar bills at the Barcelona <laughs> dugout with, with uh, some uh, little messages on them. <laughs> wow. That's very clever. <laughs> hey. Uh, just quick one. Uh, mm. I know that we've said that we've hit the backpack. Do you notice? I uh, saw that Scott Parker has um, <laughs> finished that. Uh, you shouldn't laugh. The guy just lost his job. I know I shouldn't have laugh. Some, have some empathy and sympathy, right? I mean, he's going to be just fine. He was only there for a minute, and he's walking away with a hefty pay packet. He's fine. He doesn't need my empathy. He's he's the best dressed manager, though. That's for sure. Oh yes, absolutely. No one can no one can contest him on that. Very sharp and suave looking fella. The Olivier Giroud of management. There you go. That's a bit of a disservice to Olivier, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, yes, Scott Parker yeah. failed at Fulham. Yes, failed at Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. Now he's fallen. Up. He keeps falling up. Scott Parker, a Champions League job with Club Rouge. Where's he off to now? England. England manager. Yes. That that that's a long way to fall up. There you go. I think you might see him at the London Stadium next season. Oh, West Ham? Maybe. No chance. No? No chance. Look. If uh, if if they if West Ham hang around the bottom five for the rest of the campaign, even if they don't go down. No chance. <laughs> Maybe in the championship if they're in there, but no chance. Interesting, interesting. This this is something for uh another pod, I think. We can yeah. we can talk for another half yeah. an hour about the the struggles yeah. of West Ham. Indeed, indeed. But Laz, thank you very much for joining me on very this exciting. episode of the Back Peg. Thank you for organizing our chat with Jason Cowan. Yeah, that was great. Great to have Jason on. And, and uh, thank, thank you to the backpackers out there for tuning into this episode. Thank you for leaving uh, any feedback or your reviews. We greatly appreciate it. And we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, indeed. Take care, all.